I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. Hello and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. And today I am absolutely honoured to be bringing to you a, a very, very special guest. Now, the man I'm about to introduce to you is a lifelong stutterer turned international motivational speaker, helping people who hold back to turn their fear into action so that they overcome their inner stutter, unlock their true potential in life. So after avoiding speaking for a long time, almost 25, not more than 25 years due to a debilitating stutter, the man I'm about to introduce to you uncovered some, undercovered some, the man I am about to introduce to you uncovered some groundbreaking insights for personal transformation that have turned his obstacles into triumphant public speaking and stand-up comedy performances in three different continents, in three different languages. Please join me in welcoming the award-winning inspirational speaker, Jose Peranian. Hello, Jose. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is a privilege to have you here. Thank you, Tony. So awesome to be here. It's good that you mentioned the stuttering in the in the intro. Otherwise, I like to tell the audience that their internet is working <laughs> just fine. Their is no need to refresh. <laughs> love it. And uh, I love everything about you. We met on Clubhouse. I was mm-hmm. listening into you speaking on there, and I'm a huge fan, fan of Clubhouse for connecting us with people that we never would necessarily have come across. Mm-hmm. And um, I find your story not only inspirational, but also motivating. And anyone who listens to my podcast regularly knows I am a big fan in focusing on the difference between inspiration and motivation. And I think that you are a huge advocate for people who have overcome any adversity. Obviously, I mentioned in your introduction, you spent almost 25 years, or if not just over 25 years, kind of avoiding putting yourself out there because of a, a stutter. And now, you know, you've gone full tilt the other way. You stand on stages, you've given TEDx's, you've received international awards, you speak in three different languages and, and three different continents as a minimum so far. And this is just the start. So please, can you tell our listeners how you got started in your public speaking journey and what what took you from the person you were before to the person we can see and hear mm. before us now. I will clarify while I have done speaking engagements or stand-up comedy performances in, in three languages, I actually stutter in six different languages. So who knows, I might end up also doing talks in those other three at some point. Actually, I did just recently do an event in Arabic. So that's for... uh, uh, at the moment in terms of how this transformation occurred i i love this question so much because 
often people will ask me, what was your turning point? And to me, and, and maybe you've heard me say this before, to me, this question is based on this romanticized idea of change. One that is influenced by Hollywood, perhaps. <laughs> One where all we need for transformation is a single moment when something just clicks and then we go we go outside and run under the rain as <laughs> dramatic music plays in the background i have not found that to be the case at all it was it was millions of micro moments of bravery when I repeatedly did what I was afraid of doing. And in my case, it was speaking. So first I learned a breathing technique mm -hmm. to help me control the stuttering. It's the same speech course actually that Gareth Gates had, had done in the past. So this was the first step. Then I joined Toastmasters to overcome that fear of public speaking. And it was absolutely, it was so terrifying at first that when I was in uni, now if this podcast was not in the UK, I would have said university. But because I know my audience, that is one tip for public speaking. Know your audience. So I said uni, which I know is how <laughs> it is said in, in Scotland in the UK, and in England. Uh, so when I, when I was in uni, I begged my professors to exempt me from all of my presentations. So that's how how bad that fear was. And I was in in, in I was in business school, which was which yeah, which was meant to be almost entirely based on group projects and presentations and in-class participation. In fact, for the classes that had a component around participation, I would go see the professors during their meeting or their office hours to suggest or to ask if I could do additional coursework yeah. in lieu of ever having to speak in class. So 
my entire life revolved around around minimizing if not eliminating instances where I had to speak or to express myself or to use my voice more generally speaking. So Toastmasters was definitely this antidote or one of the antidotes that allowed me to expose myself to this adversity in a controlled and in a controlled manner on a weekly basis and in fact at some point i was so so eager to expose myself to to these fears that I would attend multiple Toastmasters meetings in different clubs. In addition to that, I joined the debating club in my, in my last year of uni. And then there's this exercise that I would do. And this is an exercise that I especially did in the past. I want to say the three years before the pandemic. And what I would do is I would go to the mall and I would introduce myself to a hundred complete strangers almost every single week. And I found that this exercise really empowered me to expose myself to these uncomfortable situations repeatedly, which then also desensitized or allowed me to desensitize myself to fear in a way that then empowered me to do stand-up and, and speaking. The interesting thing here is I would do this exercise before a lot of my stand-up comedy or or corporate or yeah, yeah. corporate speaking eh, engagements. That that's really really interesting, and I'd love to dig a little bit deeper. One of the questions that I planned to ask was, how do you prepare for a presentation or speech? Because everyone I've ever interviewed has, you know, even if it's not a set routine, there's a few things that kind of come to mind. I write notes while people are speaking, and I don't know if you noticed, I'm scrolling away there. So breathing being a big part of it, and that is for any public speaker, but more so for yourself, because it's one of the ways that you control your stutter, your ability to convey your message. Um, and the ability to, I love the phrase, of micro moments of bravery and I'm a huge believer in the same as yourself you know people see it's the iceberg analogy isn't it people see the iceberg at the top of the water and think you're an overnight success you've always done it you've always had this skill of of being able to be funny and get your message out there but to hear someone like yourself who is so successful in their field has faced a number of challenges 
I think is, is really inspiring to our audience. And that's one of the things that I always want to get across knowing your audience when you said uni it was that little smirk of because I'm from Liverpool it's such a scouse thing to shorten the words so knowing your audience mm-hmm. absolutely key so there's a lot of lessons along the way for our- I should have been I should have grown up in 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 Liverpool I know that shortening words would have been quite <laughs> useful for me Absolutely, yeah. We don't finish our words very well. Anything with an ing on the end just gets dismissed. <laughs> yeah, probably would have been a skill set for you, but actually, you've put yourself in the way of so many challenges, and I think that's one of the the biggest lessons and one of the commonalities from everybody that I've ever interviewed, both on the podcast and in in real life, is that everyone faces challenges and some people's more than others are noticeable if you like in so much as it's evident when you speak to you that you have a stammer and therefore it's something that people can see but if not the fear is still there for most people and that can come in the form of a dry mouth or sweaty palms or the fear of (laughs) making a mistake saying the wrong thing and you use the phrase repeatedly if you're exposing yourself to situations of discomfort and that actually, the more you do that, the more comfortable you get. And we, we talk about this a lot in our trainings. But one of the, the key points I wanted to pick up was you talked about having it in a controlled manner. Do you think that that ownership, you know, from going from asking your university lecturers or begging even not to put you into presentations through to signing up for Toastmasters, doing additional weekly speeches, um, joining the debating club where people talk over one another, shout over one another. It's hard to have your voice heard and shaking hands with a hundred different people in a, you know, in a, in a standard environment where most people wouldn't introduce themselves. What would you say? Do you, do you believe that control is a big part of it in your ability to say your words through your controlled breathing in your ability to control in the mindset that stops us and holds us back? What are your thoughts around control and the ability to manage a situation and speaking and presenting? Great question. It's not as much the control over this situation. It's perhaps control over behavior and mindset obviously we can never control the outcome per se when i would when i would do this exercise of talking to strangers at the shopping centers or at the malls quite often i would get negative reactions some people might laugh when i would get stuck on on a word and some people might walk away as i get stuck and i have found that all of these moments when i received quote unquote negative reactions they certainly played a a big role in my ability to desensitize myself and to to realize that even after 
the worst case scenario, I was still here and I, the, the temporary pain of that interaction would fade away. And I think it really reinforced this idea that the growth that can be obtained in those moments outweighs the temporary pain that might be experienced. And sometimes people will say that it's all in your head or the, or you are overestimating how bad the outcome will be. Now, I agree and disagree with that at the same time, because as someone who stutters, I have faced reactions from people that were objectively bad. So it wasn't all in my head. I I did ha- I did have people laughing at me. I I did have I did have people who walked away or who have or who have made comments. So it definitely was not imagined, but I think that leads to an even stronger argument. It lets us say that even if the worst case scenario does happen, you can still gain so much from it in terms of of this increased immunity to pain and this this and discomfort. I love that thought process around it. And I, uh, I love the honest approach to it because people will always say, you know, have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever gone blank when you've delivered a speech? Yes. You know, you're facing this and, and I think the reality being that you know you were going to face those and you've put yourself in the way of those situations and whether that be someone walking away when you're mid-sentence, like that's, it's rude, let's be honest, but it's cementing those fears that you have and the ability then to think, okay, that's happened. You know, the, the phrase, and I can't remember who to, to reference with it in quote, but I'll remember it at some point, which is the life is 90% what happens to us and 10% how we react to it. Mm-hmm. And your ability to have the mindset to say that's happened. You know, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I didn't die. It's one of the most common phrases I use in a live speaking environment when I'm teaching mm-hmm. people public speaking is when they come off stage 
but did you die? Well, no, but this happens. Yes, but you're still here. Did you, <laughs> you know what are you going to do next time? And whether that be that someone's walked away when you're mid-sentence or someone has laughed at you or, you know, finished your sentences for you, that must be really frustrating. Um, before we started recording, I was explaining to Jose that my mum had a stroke in her 40s. She had a stammer. As a result of it, um, she lost the use of her right-hand side, which affected her speech. And if anyone finished her sentences for it, it was worse than, you know, walking away and not listening and these things. So all of those things that are in your head, that in reality you faced as well, your phrases around temporary pain and around the growth possible show to me that you have a really, really positive mindset. You see the benefit in it. You see the lesson in everything. Have you always had such a positive mindset around it? Um, because obviously you didn't speak publicly or you avoided <laughs> those real public situations and putting yourself in the way of them for such a long time. Have you always had such a positive mindset around it? And if not, what skill set did you gain or what can you teach our listeners in their ability mm. to improve their mindset and how to overcome those ob obstacles? When I was 19 years old, I was supposed to go to a family gathering with a lot of my cousins and it was supposed to be a, a bit of a reunion with relatives who live in different countries who happened to, to be in Lebanon in the summertime. And I was so terrified about having to go that a few days before, I still remember this moment really well. I take my shower and then I go outside com completely soaking water and I wait for half an hour in the wind with with just a towel hoping to get sick so that I would not have to go to that social event. So when, when sometimes people ask me or they assume that, oh, you might have always had some confidence or I say, no, believe me, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-acceptance. I've had to build all of those from scratch over the past few years. In terms of some things I would rec recommend that have really helped, I, I had mentioned Toastmasters, so I would definitely recommend joining a public speaking group or a, a storytelling group to put yourself in, in these environments. I would 
also highly encourage getting into meditation. I meditate every day with a few exceptions here and there. I have found that it has certainly played a big role on my journey because you had you had mentioned before that quote of 10% of life is what happens and 90% is how you re- re- react to it and meditation is all about enlarging that space between what happens and how we react to it so if you are looking to be more in control of of the way you react and if you would like to respond to life as opposed to re- reacting to life meditation is one of those those approaches or or methods that anyone would benefit from and if you if someone is not currently meditating don't aim to start with half hour long meditations you can literally start with with 1 minute a day and then it goes up to 2 to 3 to 5 so really s- start small a last one that I'll I'll share now besides weekly to toastmasters and meditation a third one I'll I'll share now is is more of a of a mindset shift after hundreds of stand-up comedy and speaking engagements at clubs. I have good news and bad news about fear. The bad news is that fear never goes away. Good news is that fear never goes away. If we know that something is constant, why wait for it to miraculously disappear before we start taking action? It is simply if, if a listener is more of a logical type and engineer or or someone in tech or an uh, accountant who who is maybe not as much about those abstract ideas or those soft skills or even mindfulness if we have to to speak if we have to speak purely logic, if we know that fear is a constant, there, there is no point 
in waiting before we start taking action because that day by definition will never come. So I think that that is a mindset shift. Fear and action are not mutually exclusive. Fear and action can coexist. And once we have this mindset and we are about to do something uncomfortable, that same fear goes from being a roadblock into becoming a trampoline. And then it literally becomes a matter of metaphorically jumping on that trampoline. Jose, there is so much in there and you've given everything we teach is around systems and processes and a step system is great. Three-step system, join some sort of club or storytelling club or Toastmasters where you're forced effectively or you're forcing yourself to practice it. Meditation, and you'll have seen my eyes kind of hmm, a little bit at this because it's not something I've ever practiced. I have the busy mm-hmm. mind and it's one of those things that I continually put off. And I suppose it comes down to your point three about fear as a constant, the fear of not being able to do it, of you know my mind being so busy that I don't do it well enough and I suppose so there's always a lesson every day is a school day isn't it and that mindset shift of going from fear and and inaction to fear and action a little bit of fear mm. there well I'm a massive believer in that and you've just showcased that going you know to to hundreds of different gigs in speaking and presenting and comedy um those those speaking engagements we're postponing the outcome and I love that. And the analogy of a roadblock to a trampoline, I absolutely love. So I am going to borrow that and give you credit. Absolutely. And, you know, your what, what shows through with you and what shines through with you is your ability to turn the negative into the positive. You've showcased that in your ability to go from fear and inaction to a little bit of fear and great action to inspire other people. What do your family or friends those people who expected you at that you know that family reunion that when you were 19 you were so fearful of that you put yourself in the way of harm tried to make yourself ill how do they now react your friends your family members who've known jose of old to this (laughs) guy who's now putting himself out there and teaching other people to what are their thoughts fears have you ever discussed it with them the cool thing about old friends and family is that they almost they almost never change how they how they behave with you right so i was giving a a second tedx talk yesterday actually no uh on Saturday, and and that same night, we're I'm back at home. I'm with my parents, and my mom might say, "Can you go grab me a a cup of tea, please?" So it's uh, in in certain ways, 
these these types of dynamics might never change because they are the people who have always known you and and in a way they've always known your uh, essence it might have been the outside world that did not ho- that did not know who you are because you did not uh, 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 express yourself uh, uh. that being said though after every big milestone of course friends and family have expressed how how happy they are or how proud they are of what i have accomplished and that of course is really heartwarming and it it definitely is is really important in life to have that support system and to and to feel like we are we are well su- surrounded and this can come both from people we know like friends and family or or as frank sinatra said strangers are friends we haven't met yet i have heard from people after my after my talks who have completely who have who have completely moved me when they've shared the impact that the talk has had on them and all of those messages and conversations i've had i i can think of one right now just two weeks ago i was speaking on diversity and inclusion at a and resilience uh, i tend to combine those those two topics in my in my speaking engagements i i heard i heard from this lady who who talked about how she had been shy her whole life and how she felt like her life had changed after the session that i had delivered and i recall literally having to sit down and process that message that i had received and really to bring this back to the audience to to the listeners of this episode when you show up you are not just showing up for yourself you also end up showing up for others who need to be reminded that they matter too that they have a voice as well so on the one hand do it for your own sake on the other hand or on the on the other on the other heart <laughs> you you should also be doing it to 
impact others who, who might be holding that today. Again, absolutely love that, that you link together diversity and inclusion and resilience and you showcase that in abundance and that ability to touch an audience with what you say or the way that you say it, the message that you share. And, and one of the things that I think you embody, which is I always tell people, don't just say it, show it. And that's something that you're doing, you know, every single day, that ability to show up and to provide service and that that positive feedback, you know, those two different areas of the positive feedback from audience members that you've not only reached their heart, but you've inspired to be able to get out of their own way coupled with the going home and still being brought back down to earth with a bump by mum saying, make me a cup of tea. I think <laughs> so well-rounded and you show up, you give value, you give service. Uh, and I think that's inspiring to other people is that it's not, you, you're not making it about you at all. You're sharing your message. Um, anyone who listens to this knows I say the same quote all of the time because I'm a massive Maya Angelou fan and she says people will forget what you said will forget what you did but they'll never forget the way you made them feel and you've embodied mm. that in your speech mm. there. Um, I'm, yeah I sorry go on yeah no sorry uh, I love that they quote as well and just in case my mother ends up listening to this <laughs> I'll I'll just clarify that it's not like she is always asking me to do things for her. Oh, oh, oh. On the contrary, she is, she is incredible in, in terms of all of the things that she, that she does for, for me. Yeah. And I actually think you're doing that for others. You've obviously been empowered your entire life, given the ability to be you, who you are, and, and told to show up. And you're now sharing that with other people. Um, I'm really conscious I'm taking a lot of your time, but I would love to do just a couple of quick fire questions if that's okay. Okay, so. They might be medium fire questions. <laughs> Actually, before I go on to the quick fire questions, then you are so humorous. I love your ability to add self-depreciating humor to allow people in and to kind of call this out. So before I do the quick fire meeting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you get into comedy? Have you always had a knack for comedic ability or is it something that you've embraced someone identified in you and called out? How did that come about to go from shy and retiring to standing up on stage and delivering comedy performances? Sometimes people will, will tell me, hey, it's cool that you became a comedian in spite of your stutter. And I say, I became a comedian because of my stutter. I would have had no reason at all I think to get into comedy because it, for me, it was really a, a, a vehicle for self-acceptance, for growth, to address my insecurities through humor. So in, in that sense, had it not been for the stuttering, I, I, 
I really doubt that I w- would have somehow ended up in, in s- stand-up. I was always a, 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 a huge fan of, of listening to or of watching to, to stand-up comedy when I was younger. Now, it might have had to do with the fact that I was isolating myself quite a bit and that was a source of, of comfort listening to these comedians. So I would, I would not say that I had a, 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 a knack for it per se. In class, I was definitely quite quiet, especially in in uni where I did not speak. So I would say it was a step, a step that I took to further expand my comfort zones while joking about something that had caused so much pain in the past. And when I did my first stand-up comedy performance in Toronto, it definitely felt exhilarating. And then I received and terrifying. And then I received the video and I, I really had no intention of continuing. So I looked at it as this after work hobby that I was gonna, I, I had taken a workshop in, in Toronto and then I did a show with the other students I received the video and maybe about two, two months later, I decided to post that video on Facebook. And it just read, I thought I'd try stand up because why not? And that was it. I shared the video and it got, it got amazing feedback and responses, it blew me away. And I think that that moment certainly encouraged me and empowered me to continue and see where that stand-up comedy can go on the one hand, while also acting as a tool for self, for continuous self-acceptance, self-confidence, and self-esteem building. So it it and lastly, I I have been able to incorporate a lot of my stand-up comedy within my motivational speaking engagements, which has been great. 
Well, it's such a pleasure to hear and the fact that you are continually stretching those comfort zones, continually looking to improve and the phrase of why not, you know, nothing holds you back. It all propels you forward. You again, stretch your comfort zones by putting yourself out there and putting it onto Facebook with no idea how the reception would be. And I think all of these different things, it's all of those little micro behaviors, the little micro challenges that you go mm-hmm. through that get you to where you are today and you are, such a pleasure to interview you are an absolute superstar i'm going to do our quick fire medium fire questions now um what has been your best gig you've ever delivered what's been the most memorable one i i have a lot of them but there is one that comes to mind i was performing stand-up comedy Opening for a a comedian in a huge in a huge in a huge hall. I think that I think there were maybe a a thousand people. So in in terms of speaking engagements i i i have spoken to larger audiences of of 3000 people with stand up though the largest one was a theater about maybe two years ago or or maybe a year and a half yeah no it was a year and a half and it was in front of a of a thousand people and i recall i was in the in the backstage super 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 scared and terrified and excited at the same time, it's always good to, I suppose, ref- reframe that fear as excitement. That is something I know is 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 said sometimes. When I went up on stage, I gave I gave possibly my my best stand-up comedy performance ever. And then when I went back to the backstage, I I will share this with a bit of vulnerability. I literally cried. I was in in disbelief. I was just just in awe of how did I get here? How, how, how? The the person who begged his professors to exempt him from all of his presentations, the person who, who went outside completely soaked after a shower, hoping to get sick, to avoid having to go talk to people how did this person get to do stand-up 
in front of a thousand people while absolute, absolute, absolutely loving it and just and and feeling this state of flow and presence and and joy and impact and i think it was such a a powerful moment that it will be the example that i use to today a full circle moment when all of those all of those emotions come to a head amazing amazing share I'm going to ask for, I'm going to do this the other way around, because people always ask for, I want the bad, then the good. What's the worst piece of advice in regards to presenting or speaking that you've ever been given? A really poor piece of advice. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. We've, we've, we've all heard the whole imagine everyone in the audience is naked thing, which I have no idea where that comes from. So odd. Yeah. So that, that is not that helpful. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've heard more recently I suppose, I suppose, with vulnerability, it's it's always that it's always a a delicate balance, and I have heard some speeches that felt that felt as though they were more therapeutic for the speaker than for the audience and i think if you have something to share that you are still in the middle of, then you definitely have to share. And there are a lot of forums where where that is the optimal forum to share everything that's, everything that is inside, right? We have to share, we have to find our voice. When we are on on stage as a speaker, it's good to always remember that we are speaking to the audience. And based on the story of adversity that we share, it's always good to have insights and takeaways that apply to them. So it is not just about about me wanting to get something off my chest it is that is maybe a small part of it it has to be however a journey 
that you are co conveying with the audience. And I remember this one moment, the first time that I used the, the metaphor of everyone has a s s stutter. I recall I was at a speaking engagement and I said, who here has ever held back due to fear? And their hands were, were up. So I said, I hate to break it to you folks, but in a way you all have a stutter. When you wish to speak up and yet you remain quiet, that's your stutter. When you want to ask that person out and yet the fear of rejection prevents you from saying hello, that's your stutter. And I have found that when I go through this section of the speech, the audience is really like, if, if they, if they had been captivated the whole speech, they go from 100% to a, a hundred and, and 50% when it feels like this is about them. So that's what I'll conclude with. It's key to not to incorporate vulnerability because that's how we create that genuine connection with the audience while also keeping them top of mind. Absolutely. And I, I love your analogy of we all stutter. It's like that light bulb moment, you know, your phrase, if we all stutter, mm. our minds just when I speak, that light bulb moment of, well, yeah, every time I've held myself back or wanted to say something and not done it. And yeah, I've heard that advice previously, you know, imagine the audience naked. That does not make me want to deliver a speech. Worst <laughs> piece of advice. And then finally, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received in regards to your public speaking or presentations or that you would give to our listeners in regards to presenting or pitching or public speaking? Absolutely. Rehearsal is, is definitely important because we, we, we owe it to the audience. If they are there listening to us, we owe it to them to have properly rehearsed. So that is one thing I will say, don't just expect to wing it. In, in certain settings, you might be able to in, incorporate some moments that are completely spontaneous and unplanned, but I find that it's good to have rehearsed and to prepare something of, of substance. Besides that, besides that, all of the things I had said before, whether it was Toastmasters and meditation and changing the mindset around fear, 
as well as keeping your audience at the forefront whenever you are writing that speech. Yeah, that's what I'll will share. Love it. Agree completely. Preparation and practice. You owe it to your audience. You are there to serve and the benefits you get are a byproduct. Jose, it has been an absolute pleasure to interview you today. You've given so much advice, so much guidance and an insight into you. For anybody who would love to follow you further, listen to some of your speeches or your stand-up, where can people find you or get hold of you? Where can they find that info? Absolutely. You can find me... And thank you for having me. You can find me on LinkedIn. <clears throat> it's my full name, Jose Peranian. On Instagram, it's at yeswayjose, Jose with a Z. Perfect. And I love that we're finishing with that because so many people say, no way, no way, Jose. You say, yes way, Jose. Jose Perenian, it has been an absolute privilege and an honour to have you on the podcast. For everyone listening, please make sure you follow Jose on Instagram and on LinkedIn and you'll see all of the information there. I'll make sure it's put into the footer notes as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking. Jose, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Tony.